Thank you for joining us for this season of We Will Flourish. Conversations and stories of flourishing together in Oklahoma City. We Will Flourish is not a newsreel of current events or knowledge base of data or statistics. Rather, it is a tapestry woven from human stories and perspectives, helping us both to celebrate our successes as a city and learn from our mistakes. In this season of We Will Flourish, we are taking time to unpack flourishing as a city from a personal perspective. Just making space for them and then giving them, my husband calls it dragons to slay, like give them something to like go after that's hard and that's scary and that has risk and cheer them on. So this is our our last question, our last conversation, probably I'm most expected or excited for, because I uh, I know each one of you are, are deeply committed to the formation of your own families. And so you have a deep heart as a father and a deep heart as a mother. Um, so in, in that in that formation, and that's something that, that's so crucial for you, um, what does it look like or how do you see a mothering and a fathering of the next generation um, as it relates to growing an ecosystem that is more diverse and more mutual in Oklahoma City? I think I would love to model that mm-hmm. for my children well. And um, I don't always do it well, um, but I'm, I'm working. And I think that they would say that I'm working hard to try to embody the things that I'm telling them um, and to make some space for their own creativity and their own voices. So for instance, one of the things that I did, um, and my husband and I work with children. So our work, I talk about my children a lot and a lot of our program design is around, well, if our kids need it, then some other people's kids (laughs) probably need it too. Um, and, uh, so this last year, my second born who thought he was interested in law and, um, issues of justice, I, I gave him as a senior in high school, um, the idea around a senior project. It was kind of required. I talked to his school and I was like, can, can you all make space in his schedule for him to do this? And can he get credit for it? And they were willing to do that. And so with that, he had to write a paper. He had to do some sort of artistic expression. His was spoken word. Um, around the idea of restorative justice. And it was just something to kind of get him going. And I knew mm-hmm. that if he didn't buy in, then it would go nowhere. And so I was just like, I hope he, let's pick something that he would like. Mm-hmm. And so he wrote down several topics and he he dug in, he read Just Mercy, he saw the movie, he sat on a um, a youth council type thing where they discussed restorative issues in the justice system. He interviewed tons of folks. You were one of his mm-hmm. interviews and um, and just learned about it. And I think if we're going to help mobilize the next generation, one, their voices should be at the table too. Mm-hmm. I can't tell mm-hmm. you how many times I'm like, well, if they're not a, technically on the board, why not have some younger generation folks, at least in the room, yeah, hearing and learning and listening and contributing and, mm-hmm. you know, stepping in. Um, but I, I wouldn't be opposed to having, you know, some younger board members <laughs> and because there's a whole nother perspective and 
um, older folks need younger folks and younger folks need older folks. We all need I know some 14 year olds who would do a better job than some board members I can think of that are 40. (laughs) Right, right. So I think just making space for them and then Mm. giving them some, uh, my husband calls it dragons to slay, like give them something to Mm. like go after that's hard and that's scary and that has risk and cheer them on. Like, let's get them moving instead of just packing stuff into their brains. Let's pack some stuff into their feet, get Mm. them going. And, um, so that would be one of my thoughts about the next generation. will ask, you know, what kind of legacy do you want to leave? And I'm like, I I don't have time to think about what kind of legacy I want to leave. All I want to do is to launch these folks that I've been given an opportunity to influence and to encourage and to learn from and to guide and, you know, to journey with. I want to launch them. That's it. I don't, I don't care if I'm remembered. I don't care if, you know, the things I've done have are acknowledged. I really want to see them thrive and it's my children, but it's also generalized out to the next generation. So mm-hmm. if we don't give them, um, you know, they're crying out for hope and they're crying out to be heard. Um, let's, you know, maybe give them some ways to, to go, but also let's just, let's make space for them. Let's move over and make room. Mm. Um, that's so good. And I think for myself as a father, I want to just start with my own kids and be really emotionally present, be in their lives. Um, and like Scotia said, call them into an exciting, adventurous vision of life uh, in the service of others. It's one of the things I want to do. I think also as we think about um, the wider context of the neighborhood in which I'm living life, the family structure has been decimated by generations of poverty and injustice. And then a decimated family structure perpetuates further generations of poverty. And so don't necessarily have time to go into all the factors that impact that. But across every ethnic group in the United States, at the more middle class level, we tend to have marriages that last longer, two-parent homes, et cetera, et cetera. But when you start getting deeper into poverty, that starts falling apart. So there's a a whole history. And then if we start talking about the specific racially or ethnically specific histories of pressures on the family that gets exacerbated. So, um, in my neighborhood, it's just been really frequently the case that when people from the neighborhood get connected to our church and then somebody gets married, when they go to that wedding is the first wedding they've ever been to in their life. And I don't just mean kids. I mean, 20 year olds, 30 year olds, 40 year olds in my neighborhood. That'll be the first time they've ever been to a wedding. Um, I've had the frequent experience of, walking around, talking to guys in the neighborhood, introduce myself. And I just start trying to speak, encur- you know, a 20 year old guy or 25 year old guy standing on the street, street corner and just try and speak encouragement and life to him. And this dude will just start crying and say, I never knew my dad. The only male, ro- male role models I had growing up were drug dealers. I made so many decisions by the time I was 18 that I already had a criminal record and da, 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 da. And I just haven't known any other way. And they just start getting excited about there's a different way to be a man because they, the family structure has just been decimated.
I remember a kid that we had been mentoring for a long, for many years, asked me one day about my wife, Candace. Are you two dating? I said, actually, we're married. He said, really? I said, yep. He said, so that means you're going to get a divorce? And I said, no, I'm, I'm going to stick with her for my whole life. And uh, he said, well, then what's going to happen if you get into an argument? Or I said, well, sometimes we get into conflict, but we just talk about it and listen to each other and pray together and forgive each other and then work it out. And he was real quiet for a minute. It's about a 12-year-old kid. And he said, so that's how it is, huh? It's this really sweet conversation, but he had, he had never seen it. He'd never seen it. So as I think about that, I want to do love my family well. I also want to support other families and then sometimes just recognize we've got to be family for people. Mm. Sometimes in a way that sends them back to their own family to, to love better. Sometimes just because their own family has been so wrecked that this is the only family they're going to see. And so in talking about supporting family, you know, I've got one of my next door neighbors in my neighborhood that is a dad that the first time he came over to my house, he just like got wind that I was a pastor and he just started pouring out, <laughs> pouring out his soul to me and telling me about his, his broken relationship with his father and all these decisions he made by the time he was a kid. And now I want to be better and give something better to the other, to the next generation. So now we're, you know, for years now, every time we talk, he just starts asking, he's just looking for a mentor. Um, so we're at his house for all the birth, kids' birthday parties there at our house for all the kids' birthday parties. Um, and it's just being there together to, to model family, to support parents who haven't had generational models. It's one of the things that we can do. Second thing that I would just say is like being family for people. I mean, that's already happening with that neighbor I'm talking about. But I'm just thinking right now of two kids that really close to us that we've been mentoring that um, they started coming to an after school program that we were doing. I think they were three and four years old at the time. And so now they're uh, 13 and 14 years old. And we have spent so many hundreds of hours together you know, with these kids. And a, a lot of it was, you know, intentional mentoring time or teaching Bible stories or different things like that. But also a whole lot of it was, you know, this past Sunday, they, they came to church with us, but then they just came over to the house and my wife cooked a delicious dinner. And then we all went to the park and played basketball together. And it was just that kind of life. Um, and now what I'm getting to see, so these are kids who grew up in a really hard environment. Um, their grandma was watching him, but she was watching them, but they were, she's battling addiction and kind of came out of the picture. Their uncle was watching them, but then he murdered somebody and now he's in prison. Like this has been their life. Um, don't have dad in their life at all. And so um, now really in many ways, we've been one of the most stable, consistent factors in their life for a long period of time. So within that though, trust just blossoms. They open up their hearts all the time and talk about big life issues. And I remember after church the other day, I asked him, so what was God talking to you about today? And the, the oldest one who's really maturing and becoming a leader in his peer group said, what stood out to me is that God can put you in a church that becomes your family in a way that transforms your life. Mm. That's what he said as a 14-year-old. And I just thought, that's what we want to be about. So recognizing that if, if we want to break some of the cycles that we're seeing, um, we need to recognize the huge pressures that have been on family for generations and then being willing to step into the gap to try and s slowly bring generational change. Mm. So good. Thank you for joining us for this season of We Will Flourish. Consider subscribing to our podcast and following us on Instagram at all.flourish. You can also reach out to us through our website, flourishokc.com. We will flourish when we flourish together. 